Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Wow, one more time for Bridges to Harmony this morning. Thank you so much. Wow. One of the reasons that we love about having them come and share their gifts with us is that the the mission, the vision of this group that has existed for many, many years now is to build bridges uh, across uh, cultures, across races, to build bridges of harmony. And that is what we are about as a church as well. And so our visions line up together. And so uh, students, don't stop singing. Don't stop sharing your gifts. Don't stop leading. Many times people will look at the, the, the activity of youth, the way that youth are leading in our world, and particularly the church today. And let me say, on behalf of the church, you are not the future of the church someday. You are the church right now. So lead on and keep doing what you're doing. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Another thing that I think this morning, if you are new to Hope Elam, by the way, we're so glad that you are here. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here, and we want to welcome those of you that are in the room. Praise God for a full house today in the middle of February. Praise God uh, for that. Also want to welcome in the many that are worshiping around the country, around the metro, but around the country as well, online with us to our online family. We're so glad that you're here as well. Today, uh, just further proves one of our values here at Hope Elam is that we worship God, not tradition. Amen? We worship God and not tradition. And this morning, we have uh, discovered once again that God can be experienced in a variety of ways in a variety of styles, in a variety of genres. God can be worshipped through a a youth choir. God can be worshipped through electric guitars and drums and through clapping and even dancing for some of you. God can be worshipped at times maybe through a giant pipe organ that we have here because we know what matters is not the style, not the expression that happens so much on the outside. What truly matters to God is what's going on on the inside. Amen? In fact, we hear this in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Wherever you're at, it's here for the online family up on the big screen. Let's read this together from 1 Samuel. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. How's your heart this morning? That's kind of been the main thrust of this question that we've been in, where you're jumping in if you're new today. We're so glad that you're here. We're right in the middle of a series called Taking Care of You. And over these last several weeks, we've been taking some time to look below the surface, to look below the waterline, if you will, and to ask the question for all of you, regardless of your age, regardless of your season of life, regardless of whether you consider yourself a churchy person or not, regardless of what you believe about the church or about Jesus, how are you, really? How are you truly doing below the surface? How is your heart? Because as we see That's maybe what God is most concerned about this morning. 
And over the last couple weeks, a few weeks ago, we took a look at our physical health and what God has to say about that. And then we took a look at our spiritual health last week and the disciplines that God calls us to, to, to fill up our souls, not just to be okay and put up a good front on the outside, but how, would, how do we fill our spiritual tank? And for, I think, most of us, most people that I meet and talk to, we can get our heads around the need to care for ourselves physically and spiritually. I can't remember the last time that somebody came up, or I, I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go head to the gym and, uh, and, and work on my body a little bit. And somebody said, oh, no, are you okay? I can't remember the last time that I, that I uh, you know, said, I, I want to I connect better with God. I want to have a, a deeper connection with God. So I, I think I'm going to go worship this week. And somebody said, oh, boy, you must have big issues. You're going to church? You're, you're going you're to do a Bible study? What's wrong with you? Are you okay? And yet when we venture, as we're going to today, into the world of mental health, of emotional health, it carries with it many stigmas and fears and assumptions that don't exist in those other areas of our being, all of which, by the way, in which God created. You know, I think, I think I'm feeling some things and I don't know exactly what's going on inside. I think I'm going to go see a counselor. I think I'm going to go see a therapist. <gasps> Boy, you must be really messed up. You must have huge issues. Yeah, I think we're, we're struggling in our marriage a little bit. I think we're going to go get some help. Are you, are you sure? Oh man, something must really be wrong with you. And we apply it to the world of mental health, but not to physical and spiritual health. And yet we know that God cares about all of it. So mental health carries with it these stigmas that we have to address right off the bat and yet, God's word makes it very clear. This should not be a debate. This should not be a question for followers of Jesus. All throughout God's word, and particularly Jesus, lifts up the role of mental and emotional health. Right here in Matthew chapter 23, the greatest commandment. We're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and with all your what? With all your mind. God wants us to have a healthy mind so that we can love him fully with our entire being. 2 Corinthians encourages us we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We want to have the mind of Christ. Yes, the heart to follow Jesus, but the mind of Christ. All the way back to Psalm 139. King David writes, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. This is the prayer. Search me, God. This is our prayer this morning. Search me, O God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Any of you there this morning? <laughs> here's, here's what we realize just from a quick glance through God's word, and there's a lot more where that, that came from. God cares about you. God cares about your emotions. God cares about your anxiety, the cares, and he says, bring it to me. And the second thing we realize is there is a direct correlation between our mental health and our spiritual health. And yet the reality is for a lot of us, our emotions and our minds are far from healthy. Especially in the last few years, whether it's you yourself or a loved one, we have all been touched by this in one way or another. You cannot sit back and put your feet up and say, well, this is for those people. No, we are those people and it's for every single one of us. There isn't a person in this room, young or old, rich or poor, black or white, city or suburb. It does not matter. 
that has not been touched by this, that, that has not struggled with that some point. I'm believing these things and, and they just, they feel a little weird and I don't, I don't know whether they're true, whether they're real. I'm believing some lies about myself. I have low self-esteem. I have negative self-talk. There's not a person in this room that hasn't been touched by grief or sorrow or fear or self-hatred or anxiety or depression or even suicide and some more recent than others. In fact, you can look at a variety of studies on this. I don't need to prove it to you, but in just in case you're still on the fence. In 2019, there was multiple surveys done. And in 2019, before we knew of this thing called COVID, the percentage of adults that they would say that they regularly struggle with anxiety, depression, and possibly have contemplated suicide was 10.9%. Okay, that's still not good, but it's relatively manageable. Today, in 2022, that number is 32%. Almost one out of every three. Think in a, in, a, in a room this big, that's a lot of you. That's a lot of us. We're all in the same boat in this. We face the same world. We face the same culture that we do. And those statistics, oftentimes, in different regions, in different states, different neighborhoods, are higher with children, and with students. And I don't need to stand up here and pretend as though I'm a licensed psychologist or a mental health therapist. I am not. And yet, the good thing is, is that we have many of them in our church community, and I'm so thankful for that. And so this last week, I sat down with one of them to give you a firsthand look of what it looks like to be on the front lines and some of the things that she is seeing. And so we're going to take the, the uh, first look. There's two parts to this interview. There's a lot more where that came from, but we're going to watch the first part here uh, with a member of our Hope Elam family, Heather Sawyer. Let's take a look. Heather, thank you so much for being here yeah, uh, today. You. Could you share just a little bit about uh, who you are and a little bit about your background? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah. so excited. I love Absolutely. talking about this. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'm a pediatric psychologist at Blank Children's Hospital. I've been there for almost 10 years. Um, wow. And I'm also starting my own venture of a private practice in Norwalk, um, okay. serving children and families. Um, awesome. So, yeah, so I'm just, I'm so excited to talk yeah. about this today. What have you seen in your profession in the last couple of years uh, in terms of mental health? You know, I think we are just getting our heads wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, from the beginning, we've, I think all of us had concerns, right? Yeah. Obviously, there were the physical concerns about COVID and what that meant from a health perspective. Right. Um, but as a child psychologist, I've always mm -hmm. been concerned, how is this affecting our kids? How is this yeah. affecting our families? Yep. And what we've seen is that the impact has been profound. Mm. Um, all of the different changes, the social, social isolation, um, yeah. you know, we, as we know, we're not meant to do this alone. Yes. And so, yes. you know, being secluded. So we're seeing um, increased rates of burnout, you know, both mm. from, from a parent perspective, but then yeah. also people in their jobs. Yeah. And so rates of depression and anxiety have um, at least doubled, if not tripled. Wow. Um, we're seeing things like increases in suicide, um, suicide in kids. Yeah. It's, um, it's been really devastating in, yeah. in some ways. For some reason, when somebody goes to see someone in mm -hmm. your profession, there are stigmas uh, yes. around that. What are some of the, the fears or the stigmas that you encounter 
when you talk to people? You know, this comes up a lot working with kids mm -hmm. it, because kids pick, pick this up. They hear adults talking about it. They hear other kids talking about it. Yeah. So one of the most common things that I will hear kids say to me yeah. is, I'm not crazy. You know, and I and I think that is a stigma that is carried not just with our kids, but right. I think as adults too. Right. There's this belief that if you go, you only go to see a therapist if you're crazy. Yeah, you must I've got be. Big issues. You must yeah. be so terrible. You right. you must be so messed up that you have to go to therapy. Right. And the reality is that's just not true. Yeah. Um. You yeah. know, therapy. Of course, I'm biased, but mm -hmm. I think therapy is beneficial to everyone. We're gonna hear a little bit more from Heather later on, but I want, I want to take away from that and my challenge to us this morning. What if we normalized getting help? What if we normalized getting the help that we need in the same way that we do if you're sick, if you break your arm, <laughs> if you're needing some spiritual nourishment, you go to a place of worship, you connect with God. Why would it be any different? God loves you. God cares about you. And a word of warning, a word of caution before we move forward. Some of you are sitting there. Maybe it's your first time here and you're like, wow, Pastor John, you really know how to bring the mood in the room down. You know, we were, we were hopping before, right? We're also the kind of church that doesn't shy away from the hard issues. I'd rather not talk about it, but it's the reality that we live in. One out of three. And if you're not, if you're the other two out of the three, chances are it's impacted you in some way, shape, or form. And I just want to say a word of caution before we go farther. For, for some of you, fear and anxiety and depression are very, very real for you. And you've been battling them for some time. What does that mean as you sit in God's house? That you're human. That you're not a failure. That you're no less a Christian. That somehow that you don't have enough faith. Christians, followers of Jesus, battle anxiety and grief and pain and fear and depression and can feel very, very, very overwhelmed at times. Amen? This is why Christians, often in the face of mental illness and mental challenges, we can do something far worse. The first thing that we can do is just pretend it doesn't exist. I think we've already crossed that bridge. But the second thing that we can do is far worse, and what we do is we try to spiritualize it away. We, we try to numb the pain by making it not seem so bad, and that because we know Jesus, that somehow it shouldn't hurt as much. We repeat, repeat these nice phrases that we just hear around, and, oh, you know, I know that you're going through that, but God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever heard that one before? That's fine. The only problem with it, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. And so sometimes we can do more harm than good. The reality is, is that life gives us way more than we can handle. And that's why we need Jesus. And that's why we need friends. And that's why we need a community. And that's why we need counseling. <laughs> Faith gives us permission to be honest. If anybody should be talking about mental health, it should be the church we should be the leading voice in talking about that because we have a God that sees us, that knit us together in our mother's womb, that knows you today better than anyone else. He created you. He knows every part of your body, including the battles that you face in your heart and your mind, and yet he still loves you. 
You will never be more loved than you are right now. That's why we can talk about this, particularly in church, because it's a safe place. And we can be real and we can be honest with ourselves. And so the last thing that we want to do today is give off the impression that Pastor John's going to give this sermon and everything's going to go away. That even a sermon series or a sermon topic or a sermon is just all going to go away with one message. And if this is a very difficult topic for you today, I want you to know that healing for you might come in a miracle. We've seen Jesus do that. We've seen it do it all throughout God's story in our lives. We've seen it here. We've seen it here in this very room. God can heal. God can break those strongholds. God can break those chains. God is a God of miracles. And he can do that and he can do it for you this morning. But my challenge for you this morning is how big is your God? We just sang earlier this morning, we have a mighty God, right? We have a holy God. How big is your God that God can only heal in one way? That God can only heal in our timing and in our way. Do you know that when Jesus healed people throughout the Gospels, he never did it the same way twice. How big is your God? Yes, God can come and he can touch you as the divine healer, as the great physician today, and he can heal anything, mind, body, or soul that's going on in your body. But God can also bring healing through a therapist. God can also bring healing through community. God can also bring healing through medication. God can bring healing for all of us through the power of community, through friendship, through knowing that you are not alone. How big is your God? And he can do that this morning. What if we normalized getting help? What if Hope Elam was a safe place? I'll be honest with you, I, I, I lost track, but I think for me it's been the past seven or eight years that on a regular basis I've been seeing a counselor. I've been seeing a therapist, and some of you are like, pastors aren't supposed to say that. Absolutely we're supposed to say that. You want to know why? Because I'm human. Because I have feelings. <laughs> Because I'm human and I have feelings and I have pain. And you know what? It helps me look more like Jesus. It helps me be a better husband. It helps me be a better father. It helps me be a better leader. Why would I not? Why would we not get the help that we need? None of us were meant to live this life alone. I believe that God is calling Hope Elam to be a safe place. In our groups, in our classes, in our conversations before and after worship. God is calling us to be a safe place. We just, we just declare that this morning? Can we just all be on the same page? I think we've been through enough the last couple years. What if Hope Elam was a judgment-free zone where help is readily available for those that need it? That's the kind of church that we're called to be. Amen? I want to challenge you. I heard this statement recently. Imagine the church loving and listening so well that we would become known to the world for it. When people think of the church today, oh, they're all about money. Oh, they're all about building these big buildings. Oh, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. Whatever it is. What if when people heard, oh, the church, oh, that's the place where you can go and get help if you're struggling with fear and anxiety. Where's the first place somebody turns and then we can get you help and we can make those referrals and we can get you connected with the help that you need. What if we were known for that. And at the same time, I say all of that, but there's a lot of you sitting there this morning, you're saying, John, lighten up a little bit. I'm not going to lighten up because that's the reality of our community. And when I hear a children and family psychologist say 
that depression and suicide rates are at an all-time high in our children and students, you better believe we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it here because they're going to be hearing about it everywhere else. And we want them to hear that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Amen? So you better believe we're going to talk about it. And at the same time, some of you are sitting there going, well, John... It's, it's not that bad for me. I have anxious thoughts sometimes. I have, I have fear. And I want to say this message for, is, is for all of us today. It's God's intention and God's desire, regardless of the severity of what you feel like that's happening in your life today. It's God's desire that none of us would be caught in a perpetual state of fear and anxiety and feeling overwhelmed in an unhealthy state. And, and praise God that God's word points us in a different direction. That we don't have to stay and just pushing it to the side and denying the reality of our world. We also don't have to do, we don't have to spiritualize it away and say, well, just pray more, just have a little faith. And, and, and that's why you have mental illness. And that's why you have cancer. And that's why you have COVID, because you didn't do something and you didn't scratch God's back, so he's not scratching yours. That's not in the Bible either, and it's unbiblical to say so. It's damaging to say that to people. If we're going to be a safe place, we've got to be grounded in God's word and not make up answers for which there are none this side of heaven sometimes. We don't know why. We live in a broken, darkened, and sinful world where we don't understand why things happen the way they do sometimes. But I can tell you this, God is right in the middle of the mess with us, and his word points us to a better way. In fact, if you have your Bibles, open up to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, if you've got your phone, your Bible app, that's where we're going to be today. Paul is writing to this church in Philippi that he helped plant, and we're going to jump down to Philippians 4 verse 6. Let's read this nice and loud together. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you are reading that and go, well, that's cute, but it's not possible. Don't be anxious about anything. Okay, I'll just go try that this week, right? That's not realistic. Now, it would be helpful here if we did a, a little bit of exegesis here with the original Greek. This, this um, do not be anxious, that phrase, sometimes the English verbs and the Greek verbs don't actually line up and there's different verb tenses. So this, this is that do not be anxious is in the present active tense of the original Koine Greek in which that was written. And so a better translation is not just don't be anxious in the moment, it's in the present active. And so a better translation might be don't be caught in a perpetual state of anxiety. We all have fear and stress and pain and sorrow. The question is, what are you doing with it? Are you shoving it down? Are you pushing it to the side? Are you believing things that aren't true? God says to you today, just because you feel afraid doesn't mean you have to be afraid. Just because you have fear doesn't mean that fear has to have you. And the difference is, what controls you? What has its hooks in you? Are you in a perpetual state of fear and anxiety. Those are normal human feelings. The question is, what are you doing with those feelings? And for followers of Jesus, there is a better way. Now, whenever we try to make new habits, and we see this around this time of year with New Year's, new year's resolutions, so many people just say, I'm, I'm going to do this, or even coming up for Lent. I'm going to give up caffeine. I'm going to give up chocolate. And I'm like, yeah, you are. What are you going to replace it with? The best way to change an ugly or bad habit is to replace it with a new and more effective habit. Amen? 
And that's what God's word points us to. Don't be anxious about anything. Okay, I'll try my hardest. That's not what it says. But in every situation, here's the antidote. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God. So in exchange for our worry and fear, we give that to God. And in exchange, we get the peace of God, which what? Which transcends all understanding, a peace that doesn't make sense in the eyes of the world. Everything that's going on, racially, politically, socially, personally, in my family, I have peace because my peace doesn't rise and fall like a roller coaster depending on my circumstances. My peace is tied to a person and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? That's how we can have the peace that transcends all understanding. And so Paul gives us this roadmap. Notice I say a roadmap not a math problem. A lot of people, when they look at scripture, they say, oh, two plus two equals four. If I do this, this, and this, then God's like a vending machine and he's going to give me what I want. Okay, God's not a vending machine. He's a person to have a relation. He's a being to have a relationship with. And so this is a roadmap that Paul gives us, an invitation to find that peace. How do we do that? I don't like acronyms very much, but when they help us understand God's word better, then I like them a lot. And so the acronym today as we work our way through Philippians chapter 4 is C-A-L-M, CALM. Everybody say CALM. How do you keep your soul, how do you keep your mind and your heart calm in a world gone mad? We turn to Philippians chapter 4. We start at verse 4. We celebrate God's goodness. Everybody say celebrate. Celebrate. Paul says this a little bit before in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Everybody say always. Yeah, right. Rejoice in the Lord always. Like, is, is, Paul's, is, is Paul working for Hallmark now and making cheap little phrases? That sounds cute, but that is nowhere near reality. Where is Paul writing that verse from? Prison. A cold, dark jail cell. Paul is not saying rejoice always when things go well. He's writing that in those circumstances. What Paul is doing is he's replacing fear with gratitude. He's not pretending the fear doesn't exist. He's probably a couple weeks or a month away from execution. He's replacing fear with gratitude. I'm going to worship in the face of darkness. I'm going to worship in the face of my pain. And that is what makes worship so powerful. None of us in this room today walked in here and said, everything in my life is perfect, now I can worship God. But we had a rip-roaring session of worship this morning because it's not about us and how we're feeling. It's about God's goodness and his faithfulness. Amen? That's why we can worship. And when you worship in the face of your pain, it's like kicking fear to the curb. And we can do that. You can do that in your living room. You can do that in your bedroom. And you can do that in God's house. Paul is rejoicing in his father's strength. Reminds me, growing up, maybe some of you have experienced this in the past, but my dad was a dad of, of, of tradition and habit. And he would tuck us in. I have one older brother. He'd tuck us in upstairs. And every night, I remember my dad had this routine. And ironically, I do the exact same thing for our kids now. And he would walk around the house, and he would close the garage door. I'd go around, and I could hear his footsteps creaking on the different parts of the house. And he would lock that door, and he'd lock that door, and he'd turn off all the lights, and he'd check the stove, and he'd make sure everything's good. And then he would stand on the, the, the landing that went down the hallway to our bedrooms like a great sea captain. <laughs> and I remember it like it was yesterday. He would say, everything 
is now locked. <laughs> you can go to sleep now. And I'm sure he interpreted it as like, finally, a moment of peace. As a young parent now, like, go to sleep for the love of God, right? But something inside of me now as I look back on that, I go, he was giving me a glimpse of my heavenly father. Who says, I am in charge of your life. I know who enters and exits. I know who comes in and goes out. I am in control. And so you can rest. Not just physical sleep, but every moment of your life, you can find the peace that surpasses all understanding. We don't pretend the fear isn't real. We rejoice in the faithfulness of our Father in the face of fear. So the first word there in calm is celebrate. The second word there is ask. Everybody say ask. Ask God for help. Verse 6, Paul goes on to say, let your requests be made known to God. Be specific. It's so simple. And yet how often we forget But actually, fear presents us with a great opportunity. Anxiety presents us with a great opportunity to say, God, what is going on here? What is the fruit of what is this is producing? Because fear is going to lead us one of two directions and a fork in the road. It's either going to lead to despair or it's going to lead to prayer. In those moments, we've got one of two options. We can go down that cycle of despair and anxiety or we can say, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to bring it to God. The reality is, is that fear is a liar. Amen? Amen. Fear is a liar. Fear tells us the narrative that God isn't powerful enough or strong enough, won't provide enough for whatever it is that you or I are facing. Because here's the reality. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Some of you are like, no, I, I, you know, God's got like world hunger and, and wars and famine and, and I, I need some help on my test next week. We think that God doesn't care about that. I'm having an issue with my friend. My my child's sick. Absolutely God cares about that. It was in our scripture reading today in 1 Peter. Cast some of your cares on him. Cast all your cares. All of your anxiety on him. So often when we get into these negative cycles, I'll just ask people, have you prayed about it? Well, no, because what would that change? And my response, everything. Not only the, not necessarily the circumstance, but it changes our perspective. It reminds us of what is true. We cast all our cares on him. So we celebrate God's goodness and his faithfulness. We ask God for help. The L is we leave our worries with God. We leave our worries with God. We bring them to the cross and we leave them there. As we've prayed about it, we trust God. But a lot of times it doesn't work that way. Anybody ever brought like a, uh, your, your car or an appliance into a shop or something like that? Something to get your phone, a computer, anybody ever? People used to do that, I guess. Uh, when things are broken or when they don't work, you bring it into the shop, right? You bring it in to get fixed. Your vacuum cleaner, your mower, your cell phone, your computer, whatever it is. And this is normally how it goes, right? We go over to the shop and we bring whatever it is and we go talk to the mechanic or the repairman or the repairwoman and we say, I totally trust you and you're the expert in this and you'll take care of it. Um, I brought my camping gear and my sleeping bag with, so I'll just be right here in the lobby. So just in case you can't handle it, and because I don't really trust you, I'm just going to camp out right here outside the store, and you let me know in the middle of the night. I'll be up worrying about it just in case you can't handle it, so I'll be right here. No! 
That's not how that's supposed to work, right? You bring it to the shop and you leave it there because you trust that they can handle it. And yet you and I do the exact opposite in our lives with God sometimes. I'm, I'm going I'm to bring my worries and cares to the cross, but I'm not going to leave it there. I'm either going to take it back or I'll be right here, Jesus, just in case you need my help because I don't really trust that you can handle it. We don't necessarily always just ask God for help. We're called to leave it there. We're going to do a little pledge this morning, not the Pledge of Allegiance. We're going to do a little pledge. Everybody raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I hereby resign as ruler of the universe. Awesome. Good reminder. You never were anyway, okay? Somebody asked you what you did this morning. Like, I resigned. I just couldn't do it anymore. It's just too much. The weight of the world is not on your shoulders. And so when fear creeps back in, when you've already prayed about it, and when fear creeps back in, you can just say, you know what? You know what, enemy? You know what, Satan? I already left that with my father. And all the doors are locked, and so I can be calm. And I can rest in his presence. We celebrate, we ask, we leave it, and finally we meditate on God's promises. Everybody say meditate. Paul says in verse 8, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, think about these things. What is Paul saying? You can choose what you want to fill your heart and your mind with. At the beginning of the day, I struggle with this too, you roll over in bed and what's the first thing that you and I do at the beginning of the day? Right? We give that little thumb a workout, like a little slider on our feed, Right? And here comes the news, and here comes the anxiety, and here comes the judgment, and here comes the fear, and all of it. And for so many of us, we let the storm in willingly before we've ever had a chance to drop our anchor. What do I mean by the anchor? Our anchor is our hope in Jesus Christ that he can handle anything that's going to come my way today. Okay? He can handle... He can handle anything that's going to be in my newsfeed, And yet we do before we go to God's promises and his goodness and his strength and his faithfulness and his provision. <gasps> What's going on in the world? Don't let the storm in before you drop your anchor. Amen? So we meditate on God's promises. It's good to stay up to date, but I'm not going to give the keys to my peace to people and circumstances that I can't control. That's the definition of insanity. I can't control what's going on in the world. My heart breaks when I read the news. But I, I can't let my peace be dictated with what comes from day to day. And so we celebrate, we ask, we leave it, and finally we meditate on God's promises. What are all four of those? C-A-L-M. What do those all have in common? They're not about you. Don't walk out of here today and say, I'm going to try a little bit harder to not have mental health challenges. And then you missed it. None of those things, none of those are about us and our strength. They're about trusting in the promise and the provision and the strength of our Father. And yet at the end of the day, some of you are sitting there, you might be going, John, I've got some things going on in the inside of me. I've prayed about it. I walk with Jesus daily, and yet I'm still struggling and I'm wrestling with this a little bit. The question is not, do I have feelings and negative emotions? The question is, what am I doing with those? And so we're going to hop back to our interview with with Heather one more time as she gives us some much-needed wisdom. If that's you, if that's a loved one today, what are the triggers? How do I know when it's time to go get help? Let's take a look. What would you say to somebody in terms of a next step for them in, as, a, as a professional? I'm, I'm struggling with this, or I have a family member that's wrestling mm -hmm. with this. How do I know when, hey, I just need to 
talk about it with a friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need yep. to spend some more time with God, which we all need to do. Mm-hmm. Or when does it reach that point when you would recommend, I think that maybe you should go see a professional? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And mm-hmm. it is no, by no means the same answer for every person. Right. But I think there are some things to, that we can all kind of look at. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly if you're noticing changes in your relationships, changes yeah. in your sleep, changes mm-hmm. in your eating habits, your energy level. Yeah. Um, if you're noticing you're more irritable, you know, whether okay. with your spouse or your children or at work, yeah. you know, if you're starting to notice some of these changes sure. and maybe you already have tried to talk about it with someone. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, this isn't just like a, you're having a bad day. Right. This is something you're, you've been really noticing over the last mm-hmm. week or maybe even months. Mm-hmm. That is a really good indication that, hey, it, it's it might be helpful to talk this through, to figure out what's yeah. really going on. Yeah. Um, and the reality is when we're struggling with something now, it yeah. doesn't really relate to just what's happening right now. Mm. It's usually the things from our past that are kind of caught up with us. You know, yeah. there's whether it's things from our childhood or right. just or just living two or three years in a pandemic. Yeah. Um, you know, it it adds up. Just want to thank you so much for everything that you do for children and families and for our community as a whole. You guys are so underappreciated. Mm-hmm in what you do. So well, thank you for thank having you. me here and letting us talk about this because yeah. I think this is really important. Absolutely. Thanks again. I want to echo that for anyone in the room that is in healthcare in any way. We are so incredibly grateful for you. You are underappreciated and so often unnoticed. Your church family loves you so much. By the way, a full version of that interview will be on our our YouTube page uh, at Hope Elam uh, as well. Heather gave us some great cues about when to know when we need to go get help. So then what do you do? And I just want to give you a quick overview here. There's a lot more where this came from, but where to find help if you're looking for some tangible next steps today, if this is hitting home with you. First of all, by no means is this the full fix or anything, but it certainly doesn't hurt to take care of your body, fitness, nutrition, sleep is anything we've learned the last couple weeks, that our physical health and our emotional and mental health are all intertwined. Take care of the one body that God's given you. Embrace community. I can point you to study after study, not religious studies, mainstream studies that have been published in national magazines and newspapers by scholars, by psychologists, by researchers that say, do you want to improve your mental health? Don't do life alone. Find friends, find community, join a small group. That's not a churchy statement coming from your pastor. I'm saying that because I care about you and because I love you. Find a group. Our care prayer team, cares and prayer team here at at Hope Elam is amazing. And they are here to listen. They are here to pray. They're here to visit you. They're here to connect with you. Care at HopeElam.org. We have a hope-wide emergency number. This would be not so much like, hey, I was scheduled to usher tonight. I can't come. That's fine. You can let us know a different way. If there's something going on and you need somebody to help help you, that is a 24-7 care line as well. We have a variety of support groups within our Hope Network here that we want to encourage you to get connected with. I've said it once and I'll say it again. Christian Counseling, let us know. Reach out to us, call us, email us, and we can recommend counselors that we've worked with before that operate from an awesome faith-based perspective and we can get you connected with them as well. And finally, if you're in danger, if you've ever been there, don't wait. Don't email us. (laughs) 
Get the help that you need. Call 911. Variety of lifelines out there. That's the suicide prevention lifeline. Call and ask for help. Text, email, call, reach out. And if that's you this morning, I just want to say it because it needs to be said. If you or somebody you know, if you've ever been there and you've been so far down in that hole, far down in that pit that you have thought about hurting yourself or ending your life, here's what I know in this life. There are high highs and there are some really low lows, but they do not last. And if you are thinking about making a forever decision in light of temporary pain, know this, that God is right there with you in the middle of whatever you're going through and he can handle it. Have you read the book of Psalms? He can handle anything that you throw his way. Cry out to God. Cry out for help. Reach out. You do not have to do it alone. The high highs and the low lows will not last. God is there right in the middle of them. Do not give up on God. There is always hope. Amen? There is always hope for you. Get the help that you need. In a variety of ways, reach out for help. In the end, we can go through all these things, and I want you to hear this loud and clear. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. You and I will always take wisdom and advice from somebody that's been there, that's felt the pain, that's been down in that cycle of despair and in that hole. And in some strange way, pulling all these pieces together this morning, one of my favorite shows of all time is The West Wing. And there is a reason that these shows that we love and admire so much over the decades talk about mental health all the time because it's the reality of our world. I don't know if there's any Ted Lasso fans out there as well. That was addressed in the last season. In a comedy, mental health was addressed, and it was addressed loud and clear in this episode of The West Wing. This character's name is Josh Lyman. He's suffering from PTSD and the effects of that, and so he is anxious, he's nervous, he has anger, he has rage, and he's beginning to be an alcoholic. And he turns to his friend, Leo, who is the chief of staff there at the White House where they work. And Leo is a, a former alcoholic, struggling with that as well. And Leo has every right to fire Josh for the behavior that he's had recently. Until Leo reminds him of what's true and that we're all in the same boat together. Take a look. Only one that has been down in the hole and felt our pain can lead us out, knows the way out. And this morning, his name is Jesus. We need help. We need counselors. We need therapy. We need friends. We need community. But there is a man named Jesus Christ that when he saw our hurt and our pain and our depression and our anxiousness and, yes, our sin, did not stay at a distance and throw down the answer. He himself came down and met us in the hole, in the pit with us and, and, and felt everything that you might be feeling. And yet three days later, he came walking out of that grave. He led us out defeating sin and death and the power of hell so that we know, so that we know 
that death is not the end of the story. The worst thing is never the last thing. If you're struggling this morning, the worst thing that you could be facing, it's never been worse. Because of Jesus, because of his death on the cross, and because of the resurrection, the worst thing is never the last thing. Death is not the end of the story. Your depression and anxiety are not the end of the story. COVID-19 is not the end of the story. Jesus holds the keys to sin and death and the power of the grave. There is always hope with Jesus Christ today and forever. And because of that, the prophets had a name for Jesus. It was Emmanuel, which simply means God with us. A God who has walked down in the pit, down in the hole with us. God with us. And he has let us out this morning. Follow Jesus Christ. Put your hope in him. As we hear one more time from the choir of this hymn, Emmanuel. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.